Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for April the 30th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America. That is our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips, as you know, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. It is a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled. We're taking America back. One heart, one mind, one issue at a time for Friday. Welcome to the broadcast. First hour, Chris Carlson joins us. A discussion of all things liberty. I'm not even going to go into the recap. I'll save that for later. We've got an incredible debate, and it all starts now. What is the debate, you may ask? Was Donald Trump's presidency a success or a failure? That all depends, ladies and gentlemen, on how you define success and failure, right? So uh, first off, I think we need to kind of understand what is success or failure. And Chris is going to define it as he sees it. I'm going to define it as I see it. And then we'll weigh in to the debate topics at hand. Chris, how do you define failure or success, first of all? Well, first of all, without God, we cannot win. With God, we can never lose. The battle for freedom is the Lord's, but we need to be engaged in the fight, Sam. Lieutenant Carlson Amen. reporting for duty, sir. Got to get that Roger out of the way. Great work. How do you define okay. success and failure, sir? Well, you do it through uh, a, a number of um, metrics. One, I would say, would be the size of government. The other would be the deficit that we've incurred over that four-year period. Uh, how many babies we've uh, allowed uh, abortion doctors to be slaughtered, uh, whether or not we're still engaged in wars of aggression in foreign nations, as well as whether or not we have uh, been able to control the influx of people into this country who we may or may not want to be coming into this country. So those are a few of the metrics. All right. I would say the metrics are completely different. So in this debate, it's going to be a little hard to measure failure and success if we have completely definitions. But here's my uh, definition. Every act, every thought is either good or evil, right or wrong, Correct. positive or negative. I would concur. All right. So with that definition, we can't use outcome-based results oftentimes, to debate someone's intentions, to debate uh, reality, to debate um, the changes on the ground that are separate from those thoughts, those actions, those, all right? So let's talk about it now on a grand scale, uh, as you wish, and then we'll dig into some questions that I have, separating those thoughts and intentions and actions individually from downstream effects of those actions. All right, so let me give you a a quick example to make the point. If I'm in a river and I'm going downstream and I swim hard and I swim hard and I swim hard and then I get out later and I'm way further downstream but I was swimming to go upstream and I get out, some could say it's a failure. I'm downstream. I should have been upstream, by golly, from when I got in if it wasn't a failure. Others would say the fact that you're alive, Sam, 
is a success. The fact is, my intentions were good. My acts were correct. Even though I may be downstream, what if there's a greater purpose that God has for me being further downstream? Have I failed? Interesting questions to ask as we start this discussion or debate. So let's talk about it. Money deficit spending is your first headline, right? Yes, sir. I've got the numbers right in front of me. Go. So, so the um, I've got outlays and then expenditures, and obviously the expenditures are going to uh, be more than the outlays. Under Obama in 2015, um, those were approximately half a billion, half a trillion. Sorry, <laughs> I get my B's and T's and M's mixed up. So in 2015, approximately. Don't worry, it's only zeros uh, behind the difference. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah, that's that's comforting, Sam. Okay, so in 2015, <laughs> I'm going to compare. <laughs> I'm going to compare 2015 under Obama with 2020 under Trump. Uh, according to to the numbers that I have, Sam, uh, in 2020 under Donald Trump and Congress, you got to give Congress uh, credit or blame in this case uh, for these numbers. Our federal federal budget deficit was double that in 2015 under Obama. Okay. Now I realize that, like I said, Congress has to take some responsibility for those uh, deficit spending numbers. But Donald Trump did sign the legislation that appropriated that money, and he should never have signed any budget that was not balanced. I submit to you. And I would submit you're right. President Trump shouldn't have signed many of those things. On the other hand, Congress, at least constitutionally, has the power of the purse. Should yep. I blame the power of the purse on you, Chris? Well, in as much as I have the power to either sign that budget uh, appropriation bill or reject it, yes, I would always reject it. And I don't care if, you know, what the results are. I would submit that uh, going into deficit spending eventually is a greater threat than perhaps shutting the government down for a period of time. So, yeah, I, I blame Trump as just as much as Congress in as much as he has a hand in that process. All right. Who has more blame, the 435 members of the House, the 100 members of the Senate, or Donald Trump, or the predecessors of all these people? Who has the greater blame? Well, ultimately, the people have to blame Sam because they're the That's ones right. that elected so you, these individuals. So who's more responsible, you or Donald? Uh, well, I would blame myself if it were before the year 20, 2001, because before then, I was a Republican I would uh, vote for the Republican because I thought that they had a superior plan than the Democrats, and I had this epiphany. But ever since 2001, I have not voted for either a Democrat or a Republican. I always go independent. So right. in this case, Sam, I cannot be blamed. Sorry. All right. So <clears throat> the budget deficit, the money deficit spending, you're going you're gonna to dump on the Donald, right? Absolutely. And he Let me ask you a it. question. And he, Let me ask you a question. Is it possible mm-hmm. to get out of debt completely with a fiat money system? Absolutely not. The numbers do not uh, uh, allow that. If we did, it would completely extinguish the uh, American money supply throughout the world. And that would not be a good All thing. Right, so, but people so, don't know that. So the reality is, is passing or failing a given piece of legislation based on finances, if you can never get out of debt, Unless you jettison the whole debt-based system, to a great degree, doesn't matter. You're going to hit the wall sooner or later. The only question is, will you hit the wall sooner if you spend more, right? Well, and it, it, 
begs the question, why did not Donald Trump articulate this conundrum that we find ourselves in? Because right, as so the JFK, titular head of the state... Hold on, hold on. JFK tried to do that and created $2 bills that took us off of the fake money and created what are called United States $2 bills, United States notes, not Federal Reserve notes. So they weren't tied to interest or right. debt. If you move to that system, uh, you would be able to slowly but surely pay it all off because there's no interest. Right. The logic, ladies and gentlemen, to make it simple, is if you have a dollar that's borrowed and there's only one place for money and you owe interest, it costs a dollar one to pay it back. But since there's no other place to get money because of the monopoly on money, you'll never pay back the dollar one because you don't have any other money to pay it back. It's fundamentally impossible. With that reality check in mind, JFK tried to take us out of it and got killed, right? Exactly. He didn't live long enough to follow through with that program. The, then the discussion becomes, Sam, do you or do you not educate the people on this reality? And in the case of Donald Trump, uh, he was grossly negligent in um, failing to inform the people about this uh, corrupt and impossible monetary system under which we now toil. Why didn't no, he I don't have know, a, I don't know if you understand. I don't know if he understands it enough, but if he does, they'd be more accountable than if he doesn't, right? Well, I understand it. You know, I'm not a war-educated businessman. I'm not a billionaire. You would think that he would understand. Uh, I agree, but we don't know if he understands it or not, though. But but I digress. Right. He did talk about the importance of gold and silver and returning to a gold standard on several occasions and eventually talked about trying to jettison the Federal Reserve. Now, I agree that was a little bit of talk and a lot less mojo. Uh, however, at least he broached those subjects more than any other president in my lifetime. I, yeah, he did. I, right. and that's not saying much, considering who has preceded him in the presidency, Sam. It's like well, you got saying that, that right, I got sure. last place. It's like saying I got last place in an ugly contest. Well, you still qualified for the ugly contest. That's the best That is too. correct. And so I, I submit to you, though, that, hey, any act that's good is good, and any act that's bad that's bad. And so on the acts of good, he brought up the problems with the Federal Reserve. He brought up the problems with deficit spending. Part of the problem with the deficit spending scenario is that as the snowball gets bigger, it's harder and harder and harder and harder to get out of the way of that snowball. And the next question becomes, is it, is it possible? And, and think about this carefully. Is it possible to leave the debt-based economy peacefully? And I submit to you that it is not. Oh, it is if you educate the general populace. See, that's, and, and that's one of the main issues that I had with Mr. Trump. He was not an educator. Because you think about this, Sam, and this is extremely important. Think about what other individual in the entire world has more influence on uh, the American people than the president, has more access to the media, has more access to what we uh, uh, irreverently refer to as the bully pulpit. Can you think of one individual that can uh, convene a press conference and communicate with more people than the president of the United States? Yeah, but communicating with a lot of people doesn't denote success or doesn't denote power or ability to change people's lives. I submit that religious leaders have more power to change people's lives and bring people to Christ and make a bigger difference than the president might take it on the money changers. The global shadow government backed by fiat currency. Hang tight. Chris Carlton, Sam Bushman on your radio. Is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? 
Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads. A divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. The debate continues, ladies and gentlemen. Sam Bushman, Chris Carlson. Was Donald Trump's presidency a success is the question. Some say, hey, complete failure. Others say incredible success. Chris Carlson uh, is convinced that the Trump administration, complete failure. And I'm convinced that the Trump administration, although far, far, far from perfect, was a tremendous success on many fronts. And how you define success and failure has somewhat to do with the answer. So it's not a debate about who's right and wrong, ladies and gentlemen. That's not this debate. Because we're not trying to prove Chris wrong or prove Sam right or the opposite. What we're trying to do, ladies and gentlemen, is to get you to think about incredible principles. Chris just articulated how, you know what, President Trump needed to have educated, and he missed an incredible opportunity to educate and I would agree with that fact he did he could have done a whole lot more educating on the Constitution there's no doubt about it but that assumes that Donald has that knowledge to convey I submit that he does not I submit that Trump is not a constitutionalist and I submit that he kind of meanders around the Constitution when his advisors say so and everything else, but he's not a constitutionalist. And I would submit to you that Trump is not educated in the Constitution. Therefore, conveying that knowledge is impossible for a guy like that because he simply does not know. Let's talk about socialism to make the point, Chris. Yes, sir. So I've got the quote right here. You remember his famous State of the Union address where he said, I will never, uh, or the United States will never be a socialist nation. I've got it here somewhere. Yeah, you're right. You remember that, uh, that famous? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. Here in the United States, 
Oh, here it is. Here in the United States, we are alarmed by new calls to adopt socialism in our country. Tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. And then he proceeded to implement the greatest amount of socialism in the history of the presidency of the United States, Sam, I submit to you. Can you disagree with that? I cannot disagree with that. However, here's a couple of things to think about. Most Americans on the 4th of July wave the flag and sing the star-spangled banner and before every sporting event where they literally have bread and circus all day long, uh, you know, they sing the star-spangled banner or the whatever and, you know, um, and you kind of go, wait a minute, isn't that what all Americans do, the same thing that the president did? So the people that we have in office, I submit to you, are just a mirroring of our society. And if we can blame anybody for Trump basically backing socialism, hey, Mitt Romney of all people, and I'm not a defender of Mitt, but here's the point. When he tried to run for president, he said, look, half the people are into socialism and on the dole. And he got slaughtered for such a statement. Now, I'm not defending Romney as the good guy here. I'm making a point that the nation demands socialism uh, from whom they elect these days. Now, I'm not saying that gets Trump off the hook. He's partly to blame, but we cannot hand the blame to him at all, uh, at least in singularity for this. We can say, should he have done better? Should he have reduced spending? Yes, but he would have got a government completely shut down if he didn't sign anything. And so the question becomes, is shutting down the government going to be better than uh, allowing a little socialism in the matrix that we find ourselves of free spending? We've got unlimited spending going on. It's happened for decades. It's not going to end until we hit the wall. There's no way to stop it. There's no way to get out of debt anyway. And so for a guy like that, you simply say, hey, let's make the people happy. But... Let's compare his socialism or the willingness to be socialist to somebody else who may be 10 times more socialist, uh, back, bordering on communism by force. So the comparison would be, hey, Trump didn't mandate masks, but Biden did. Trump's far from perfect, but at least he held the line on. He held himself in check to a great degree on many things. Uh, so think about yeah. that from an economic standpoint. Okay, yeah, I realize that uh, the people are thoroughly corrupted into uh, being habituated into socialism, including Republicans. Most people are looking forward to the day when they can retire and take advantage of the Social Security system that they believe they've been paying into for the last 50 years or so. Uh, But the problem, Sam, is both the people and the leadership of this country have become so thoroughly corrupted by, like what you said, 50 years of socialism. We need to break out of that mindset. We need to be re-educated and realize that we're not on a sustainable path. And who better to do that than an individual that can convene a press conference today and communicate with tens of millions of people but he can't. Uh, within a 24-hour period of time? He, he cannot. But he how, can't. How not? No, because he, he doesn't know better. You can't communicate what you don't know, my friend. And how do I know he doesn't okay. know any better? Then he's not because he's been, Hold on. Because he's been a businessman that has been, uh, you know, saved off the hook on his business dealings for his whole life. So he believes genuinely that, sure, that's bad, but it's necessary. And, hey, I've managed big debt my whole life, and people have basically saved my bacon over and over and over. And the same thing is going to happen here, no harm, no foul. That's his educational reality. Yeah, well, it's incorrect, and he doesn't deserve my vote for the presidency. He didn't get it in 2020. He didn't get it in 2016. If he runs in 2024, he won't get it, Sam. And, and, be, and let's be clear. Let's be clear. I did not vote for Trump in 2016. I did not vote 
for Trump in 2020, and I will not vote for Trump in 2024. I agree with you completely, and I'm not saying okay. that he's he's you know from a modern day point of view uh, worthy of our vote. I'm not saying that. I didn't vote for him, and I will maintain that. However, I would admit to you that he was more frugal with our money than most presidents in our lifetime. I should say than all presidents in our lifetime. For example, one of the things that President Trump did is for every new law that was passed, he removed eight of them about, on average, from the books. Okay, so uh, overall, he's slowing down and or reducing spending by that very nature. Now, sure, spending grows, but the bigger the number is, the bigger the spending grows in relation to you can't help it in a debt-based system. It's impossible to prevent. Yeah, well, unless one of those laws was the 2013 Federal Reserve Act, it's not going to do us any good. Because until and unless you get a hold of your own money, uh, in the long run, the bankers are always going to win because the stack is always stacked against us. That's and right. And you know that. That's right. And Andrew Jackson back that. in the day, he, I, I, Andrew Jackson back in the day said, I'm going to rat out the bankers. They're a, a bunch of uh, den of viper and thieves. And, and he ran out the bankers. Andrew Jackson back in those days was correct. Uh, but I submit to you that Trump doesn't know any better. Look, he's ran his Bingo. businesses like that my- his whole life. <laughs> But you're making my points for me, Sam, and I appreciate that. And well, I know you're making we're, your we're point that he's not, on the, hold on. You're making your point that he's not worthy of of our vote, and you're making a point that maybe every president, a hundred percent of them, uh, that would uh, not call a halt to the con game on the money system, uh, is not worthy of our vote. I agree with that. But we're talking about Trump's success or failure uh, in office, and I would submit to you that a guy that reduces. Eight regulatory realities for every one that gets passed is on the right path compared to anybody else in our lifetime. Uh, I would submit that he's not. Let me give you an analogy, and you tell me if this is appropriate or not, Sam. Sure. So if I, um, let's say I lived in, in Missouri, and I wanted to go to St. Paul, Minnesota, which is north, and uh, I hired an Uber driver to take me to St. Paul, Minnesota, and uh, we get on the main highway there. I don't know what it's called, but I used to live in that area. Um, and then he starts, he proceeds to drive south to New Orleans. And I uh, gently uh, notify him that, hey, we're going the wrong direction. And he says, oh, I'm sorry. So instead of going uh, to New Orleans at 65 miles an hour, he slows down to 45 miles an hour. Would you consider that a success? You're still going in the wrong direction. Right, now let me, going... let, me, let me stop you. Let me stop you. So I would submit that to you is not a success. However, let me change okay. the scenario slightly to put it, I believe, in reality perspective. Let's say that you get in the car innocently and think you're going to go north. And the second you get in the car, <clears throat> you realize you've been kidnapped. And you say to the driver, I want to go north. And he says, nope, we're going south. And then you say, I want to leave or I want to this or I want to that. And they say, you know what? We will kill you or we will stop you. Uh, you're not. You're going south, buddy. We're kidnapped. You're going south. And then you get south and you get let out of the car and you go, whoa, that wasn't the ride I signed up for. How responsible, how responsible are you for that? And I think that's the problem with people who run for office. They think that they can change things. They think that they can make a difference way more than the kidnapped car allows them to make. And so I think a lot yep. of people go into office with great intentions. Donald was one of them. And when he gets there, he realizes the swamp is so deep. And the current is so brutal that you jump in that river and say, man, I'm just going to swim up a few yards. The current's not that strong. I'm going to swim up a few yards and, and, and get to the other side. Uh, but then you find yourself getting out of the river and thank heavens you're alive, but you're downstream a mile. 
because the current was way more. Okay, I believe it's a little more like that in scenario than the other way around. And the proof I would give for that is not a single president, no matter how well intended they have been, has been able to even prevent the slide into socialism. Socialism, not even George Washington. Now, George well, Washington least, uh, was a righteous man, and he basically said, I won't be a king, but the people wanted him to be a king, and a single man rejected it at the time, uh, even though the people mm-hmm. kind of howled for a king. Uh, and so individuals can have an effect, but there's a trajectory that once it's started and the balls are rolling, individuals are not really able to change that game. So I submit that it's a little bit like the swamp shanghai Donald, relatively uneducated Donald, and took him for a ride. And when he got done, he went, holy crap, that was like being in the blender. But how salutary would it have been, Sam, if he would have communicated that reality to the American people? Not on just, oh, you know, they didn't tight, quick pause on your radio. Okay. In the country's northern region, killing at least 44 and injuring around 150 people. The tragedy, one of the deadliest civilian disasters in the country's history, occurred at Mount Marone. The event attracts tens of thousands from the ultra-Orthodox community. U.S. health regulators pledged again Thursday to try to ban menthol cigarettes. The Food and Drug Administration has attempted several times to get rid of menthol, but faced pushback from big tobacco, members of Congress, and Americans wanting freedom of choice. The lawsuit filed by anti-smoking and medical groups last summer is to force the FDA to finally make a decision. SpaceX launched a Falcon 9 rocket from Cape Canaveral in Florida on Wednesday, putting another 60 Internet satellites into orbit. Over 1,500 Starlink satellites have been deployed by SpaceX, each weighing 550 pounds. USA Radio News. America's great cities are in deep trouble. Businesses are closing, taxpayers fleeing, and police are defunded as crime and homelessness rise. It's a dangerous time in big cities like New York, L.A., Chicago, Seattle, San Francisco, and more. All this week, Rob Schmidt is on Newsmax TV, exposing the real truth in his series, Cities on Fire. Every night, Rob Schmidt gives you the real news you won't hear anywhere else. So watch Rob Schmidt tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern and see his Cities on Fire special. Newsmax TV is on all major cable systems. If you don't get it, call your cable system. Tell them you want Newsmax or you can switch. Plus, get Newsmax free on most smart TVs like Samsung, Sony, and LG. Or tune in on Roku, Pluto, Zumo, and YouTube Live. And millions have already downloaded the free Newsmax TV app on their smartphones. So start watching America's fastest-growing cable news channel. Because Newsmax is real news for real people. Former President Trump says a 2024 presidential run is a probability at this time. Tim Berg from the Phoenix, USA Radio News Bureau reports. Well, 100% I'm thinking about running. Former President Trump saying he's mulling a 2024 run for the White House. The former president continues. We will, I think, be very successful. If we were very successful, look, I ran twice, and the second time I got 12 million more votes than the first time, which very rarely happens for a president. I got the, the largest number of votes in the history of our country for a sitting president. And I was told if I got 66 million, you couldn't lose. I got 75 million. Trump also telling Fox Business he's considering Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as his running mate. The 45th president is urging Americans to keep an eye on the 2020 election forensic audit going on now in Maricopa County, Arizona. Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. 
All right, back with you live, Sam Bushman, Chris Carlson. We're having a debate about the success of Donald Trump's presidency, and I submit Donald's way more successful than we're giving him credit for. No doubt he lacks in a lot of ways, and no doubt the country is worse off today than it was before Donald took office in many, 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 many ways. At the same time, though, I don't know that the acts of an individual uh, and the thoughts and behavior of an individual can really, I don't know that you can hand the presidency, or, I'm sorry, I don't know that you can hand the country to a single guy and say, man, you know, we're going to hang that on the Donald. I don't, I don't know that that's a fair reality. Uh, so socialism, no doubt we become a much more socialist nation, even though Donald Trump promised we would not. I think there's value to that point that Chris makes. Every point Chris makes is ha- has tremendous value. But we need to be careful not to throw the baby out with the bathwater to some degree, too, to borrow the old colloquialism. Uh, we need to be kind of very careful a little bit to say how much you know power do we give to the president. Um, literally, Chris Carlson would give almost dictatorial power to the president uh, in a way. Because Congress holds the power of the purse, uh, etc. Congress is responsible to deal with the money reality, not the president. Uh, how about Trump on abortion? Let's go there, Chris. Okay. So I had a discussion with an individual that you may or may not be familiar with. She's a local uh, talk show host, and I won't mention her name. And, you know, I mentioned that, uh, that Trump had within his power as the president the, the power to uh, prosecute abortion providers. And she proceeded to scold me and say, well, that's not even a federal issue. And she went on to, to describe in about 60 seconds, Sam, how that the abortion issue was a state's right issue. And then, my, you know what my response was, Sam? It took you 60 seconds to explain to me how a, the abortion issue is really a state's rights issue, and it should be remanded to the state to resolve. How Donald Trump was the president for four years. He all he would have had to have done, Sam, is to take 60 seconds out of his busy schedule and explain that to the American people in a press conference. Can you imagine how salutary that would have been to the public mind to realize that abortion can be resolved at the state level where it's much more easily uh, accessible to our uh, representatives on the state level and our governors on the state level than it is on the federal level. And I agreed with her. So and all, I, it would I think, take, again, all it would take, all it would take is the enemy press combined with the Democrats to snicker and laugh and mock and joke and get a few professors and a few, uh, quote, constitutional scholars to jump aboard and say Donald's so nuts he doesn't even understand it it's been a federal issue since Roe versus Wade in 1973 the president's completely ignorant about the uh, appropriate realities of uh, of law the Supreme Court has said that abortion is legal and fine and it's all a pro-choice thing Donald Trump hates women he's not pro-choice he hates you and he thinks it's a state's rights when we all know it's a federal issue and it's been literally that way for 50 years years and with the continued pounding of the press donald will be obliterated and have trouble making his case why because the people aren't educated and even if donald did prosecute and try to deal with that um take on the courts in that regard what would have happened is just like president trump on the border for instance president trump tried to do a lot of right things on the border and everything he did got struck down by some wacko activist judge over and over and over and over now what donald trump has done and we agree that every act is good and every thought is good that's righteous. And, okay, I play a radio commercial where President Trump said, hey, send me a bill on, a, on pro-life. I'll sign it. Send it to me. Get it done. Please, Congress, I beg you to get it done. I'll even find the radio commercial. 
uh, about okay, that from well, President Trump. And you can say that's just language, but it's more than any other president in my lifetime has done. The second thing he did is he jettisoned the Mexico policy, which funded abortions around the world. He put it back to where we didn't fund abortions. Now it's been reversed by Biden again. Uh, but he did take off murder and reduce the number of murders that are taking place. He also spoke to the pro-life rally. The pro-life rally has been going on since 1973, 50 years, basically, and um, almost 50 years. And he basically uh, spoke to that group. No other president before him has ever done that at all. Uh, and so President Trump has done quite a bit for the pro-life movement, even though you're not giving him any credit. You've got to give him some, more than any other president in your lifetime, some. Well, that's little consolation for the estimated uh, 500,000 babies who are slaughtered in their mother's wombs every year. And I, well, I agree. That even, though, even though abortion should be a state's rights issue, and I support that notion because it's constitutional according to the Tenth Amendment. However, I would suggest that if you want to go with the federal uh, position that you can, uh, uh, you can uh, deal with abortions on the federal level, Based on the Fifth Amendment alone, you know, that, and there's a lot in there, so I'll just read the part that's relevant to the abortion uh, issue, Sam. It, it states that no person shall be denied of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Based on that constitutional provision alone, uh, Donald Trump's attorney general can prosecute all of the abortion providers in the, in the nation. Could he not? But you have to appoint I think, hold on, attorney hold on, general hold on. I think he, I think he could that. try to. But you got to have an, an attorney general that would do that, number one. you got to get Congress to buy off on your attorney general, number two. And then, number three, you'd be challenged in every single court in the land. And let me prove the point to you. There have been governors that have tried to stand up for pro-life, and the governors have been slapped down across the country by the courts for literally decades. Uh, and if you don't believe me, go ask Arkansas and some of the other states, Mississippi, and some of the other states that are, that are pretty bold to defend uh, the right to life, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So, I mean, I appreciate that you think with a stroke of a pen that can get done, but the reality is much more nuanced and much more difficult than you think that it is. Should President Trump maybe have been bolder and tried to do some of those things? Absolutely. I was the one when the Republicans took control in the very beginning in the House before they had the Senate, the White House, and the courts, and I'm the one that said pro-life was the most quintessential issue that we could possibly ever deal with, and they better double down and get it done now. So I agree 100% that there could have been more President Trump has, uh, could have done, and he could have pushed harder. And I agree that he should have and he didn't, and that's a sad tale to tell. But I would submit to you that he's still done more than any president in my lifetime for pro-life. And had the Republicans, who were supposedly on his team, handed him a bill that he could have signed uh, relating to partial birth abortions, etc., uh, etc., he would have signed that, I'm convinced. Same thing is true, for example, uh, with health care. Donald Trump did all that he could on health care. Congress promised they would pass it over. Forty-plus times the Republicans said they would get rid of Obamacare. They failed and did not. Donald Trump still, though, used an executive order, which I'm not fond of. But, and he said, we're not going to mandate that people have Obamacare. So he did his very best on that, even though Congress, even though his own team wouldn't back him. Yeah. Well, I agree. That is one of the bright spots of his presidency, Sam. I will give him credit for uh, eliminating the Obamacare mandate. That was a stroke. But again, the executive order was not the authority by which he did that. The authority by which you do anything in a position of uh, power and influence in government is the Constitution, whether that be the state or the federal Constitution. But you well, know, I agree. Sam, that's the authority I, you should use for sure. But you know, yeah, exactly. 
Um, but you and I, Sam, we're not even uh, elected officials. But we, we have the authority to save lives. If I saw somebody beating the crap out of, out of a, a smaller person on the street, I have the authority to go over there and defend that smaller person. I don't need to be a congressman. I don't need to be the president of the United States. We have the authority from God to do what is right. And Donald Trump, as the president of the United States, has a lot more visibility than you and I. And he should have used that visibility to convene press conferences and to educate the people on the principles of the Constitution. That alone, based on not his authority as president, but on the, his ability as uh, somebody who has access to the media, that should have been his main power. And I would suggest that I every agree. president... Yeah. Anyway... I agree. That, I agree with that. But, main... but let me ask you, though. He did have... He went to the national or to the pro-life event that happens every single year in January, and he literally spoke to that crowd defending life, begging for a bill, articulating the importance of this. No other president in your lifetime has ever done that. you got to give him significant credit okay. for that, for, over, for jettisoning the Mexico reality, so stopping abortions internationally to the best of his ability. Um, no other president has even come close to doing those kinds of things. Could he have done more? Absolutely. We can always say that, though. For example, in the last four years, what have you done blatantly, publicly to jettison abortion? So I've done quite a bit. I've been on the radio and advocated for it and talked about it. Okay, and you may have done some things. I'm not doubting your part. I'm just saying we can all do more. I agree with that for sure. Okay, so we agree on, on for the most part on that issue. But do we agree, just, though, that I, President Trump has done more in our lifetime for pro-life than any president? Oh, yes. But again, that's okay. like saying I, I, I got last place in an ugly contest. Well, you still qualified for the contest, buddy. <laughs> it's just nothing that's to right. brag I'm about. Still, and I'm still a child of God, even though I got the last uh, ugliest deal there. <laughs> well, don't take really that personally. <laughs> no, there you go. You're a good looking right. guy. How about let's talk about lands. I'm on federal yep. lands. <clears throat> yeah. When we come back, we'll talk about lands and we'll talk about open borders, both of them together because we're running out of time. You are listening to Liberty Roundtable Live. Sam Bushman, Chris Carlson, on your radio. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually, gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into Mommy and Daddy's bank account, because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. 
That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. All right, back with you live. Sam Bushman talking to Chris Carlson, a debate about Donald Trump. How successful was his presidency? It's not a win or lose debate, ladies and gentlemen. It's an educational discussion about where we sit in America and what can we do about it. By the way, next hour, I'm going to be talking to Scott Bradley. The topic's going to be, has America swallowed a communist poison pill? We'll talk about that. All right, Chris, so you wanted to talk about land, foreign lands in the border, right? Correct. You want me to start off? You betcha. Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution reads, Congress shall exercise like authority Hold on, who? all places. Hold okay, on, Congress. who? Not the president. <laughs> okay. Who? Yeah. Congress. Go yeah. ahead. But, so I don't know why we're talking about president... Congress when you're going to defend or when you're going to say Donald Trump's uh, responsible for it. But go ahead, sir. It goes back to education. See, the, the president You mean that you're supposed to, hold on, you mean you're supposed to educate American your public officials? Hold on. You mean you're supposed to educate your public officials about their duties and demand that they the uphold titular. them? Yeah. He's the titular okay. head of the nation. He has the ability, and I would say obligation. It may not be written in the Constitution, Sam. I will give you that. But I believe he has a moral obligation to educate the people on the principles upon which this nation was established. Even though it may not be his uh, constitutional authority to do anything about it, Congress shall exercise like authority over all places purchased by the consent of the legislature of the state in which the Senate, or I'm sorry, the same shall be for the erection of forts, magazines, arsenals, dockyards, uh, national parks. Oh, wait, that's not in there. And other needful buildings, Article 1, Section 8. So all so let me, that Donald let me stop Trump, you. I hear that the states and the legislative body at the federal level are all responsible for this, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Wait a minute. What I'm is, with you. Say that again. Congress. Well, Congress the, the, can the, establish the, these things. Yeah, the federal legislative body, not yes. the judicial, federal not the executive, body. the federal legislative body and the states uh-huh. are the ones uh-huh. responsible for this fiasco, right? Yep, in conjunction. Now, Donald did come to Utah, though, and try to take some land back and take it out of, quote, government control, right? And he well, had he was wasting jet fuel. press conference about it. He had a huge press conference, but, you know, he, would, he wouldn't have had to have come to the state of Utah to do that. All he would have had to do is articulate I, I know, but constitutional hold on. provision. Hold on, okay, hold on. but in the past you said what he needs is a big press conference. Now I give you one, and he says, uh, you go, uh, uh, you could have done it different. I know he could always do it different. He could always do it my way or your way or Larry's way or Joe's way or Tina's way or Lisa's way. I get it, but he did his best. He came and gave a big press conference, to your point, right? 
Exactly. Well, he, he didn't articulate. Did you think he quoted Article One, Section Eight of the Constitution when he did that? Not. Probably I'd have to not. go back and listen. I Probably not. He again, he doesn't know the Constitution. But again, he fought for our land rights, at least on the domestic side, more than any other president. How many other presidents have taken land back from the feds uh, and said, "Hey, this is not ours to take"? Zero. Well, right? he. Yeah, zero. Again, going back to the analogy about the ugly contest. I'm sorry, Sam. But he did not articulate constitutional principles. See, that's what's uh, glaringly missing here. He I needs agree. to articulate, the, in, because those are not just constitutional principles. Those are divine principles, as you and I both know. Yes, and they're fundamental. What's no missing doubt about from it. this nation. Divine principles. You won't get an yep. argue from me whatsoever. All right, let's jump to the border, because I want to get to these before the end of the hour, yep. by the way. Uh, okay. Dumped the border. Okay. The border. He really fought hard on the border. He articulated. He had press conference after press conference after press conference. He literally even said criminals are coming across the border, drug traffickers, rapists, child molesters, and child sex traffickers. And, and he just got slaughtered as a racist for it. He then tried to put systems in place to protect the border to the best of his ability. And every time he'd put something up, the courts would shut him down. Right? Yeah, forget about the courts. The courts are corrupt. He should have articulated that to the American people. He should have gone around the courts. I don't care if they're constitutional or not. He should have acknowledged that he's never going to get hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. To the courts. Hold on. You're telling me you don't care if it's unconstitutional or not? Exactly. And I'll say it again. Right. And I stand behind right. my words. Yeah, I don't care. When You know, uh, let's go back uh, to uh, a major but Did he do more to protect our border than any other president? Yeah, Did he yeah, do more to protect that's, our border that's than not he did? Saying a right. whole lot. That's not saying I know a whole it's the ugly yes, contest. I, I will get give it, you but, that. But he thing. did. Okay. Just want to make sure we're you clear on that. But you have to All realize right. as early as 1858, the, uh, 1858, yes, the Supreme Court ruled in the Dred Scott decision that human beings can be held as slaves. Okay? Are you going to honor that court decision? I'm certainly not. So the courts can make mistakes, and when they make mistakes, it, it is then up to the people, and the president can facilitate this rebellion against those courts and say, no way, not in this country, okay? So when they ruled, they, there were several rulings uh, on the part of uh, lower federal courts that said, no, you can't build a wall for this reason, that reason, and, you know, various and sundry. You just need to go around those and say, we're going to appeal to the people. We're going to take up a collection. I bet... It, the number, I think, was $28 billion that they needed to erect the wall. And that's probably a little high, but I could have done it cheaper. But let's say it's $28 billion. What you do is you appeal directly to the people, Sam, and say, okay, we need 28 billion people. We're going to take up a collection. By the way, David A. Clark Jr., David A. Clark Jr., uh, well-known former sheriff of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and many others did create a build-the-wall group to try to do that very thing. And it didn't go very far, but they tried hard. Well, but the, if, when the President of the United States sponsors it, uh, th people would take it a little more seriously. You would have to admit that, don't you, Sam? And you yeah, the, the question is, legally, can the President literally go directly to the people as President uh, and put together a donation campaign to circumvent Congress and the courts, and will that get him impeached or killed, or what will that do to the President? What I mean is the President has his hands tied more than you think he does. Well, this nation was conceived in rebellion. So I President Trump, President Trump got, got named the great insurrectionist just because he said to people at the Capitol or at the, at the rally, go down to the Capitol 
and peacefully let them know that you want them to look into vote fraud. And now he's the greatest known modern-day insurrectionist to the point where Joe Biden now says the great insurrection led by Donald Trump on January the 6th, 2021, that was even bigger than 9-11. It's been the biggest insurrection since the Civil War, says Joe Biden, right now. And they continue yep, to prosecute. I heard, I heard him say that. They continue to prosecute uh, everybody around the president. They just raided Rudy Giuliani's house just the other day. Two days ago, they raided his house over these very kind of topics. And so I understand <laughs> well, your point, but it's a little tougher than you might give credence to. Oh, yeah, it's going to be tough. And if, if you're going to be accused of being an insurrectionist, Sam, make it count, buddy. You know, don't just well, go he didn't, he didn't go get, all the way. He didn't get how deep that swamp was until that moment, I think. When they kicked him off Twitter well, and called him an insurrectionist and stuff, I think he kind of had a rude awakening to the point where he didn't even take them on in the Capitol. He just simply let Air Force One take him away uh, to avoid a civil war in America. So at some point, yeah. you got to say, how yeah. hard can you push before you get worse results than you intend? These communists, these socialists are literally rabid crazy. If you don't believe me, they created a city <laughs> in Washington State or whatever it is to, to prove the point or whatever. They literally create a city within a city. And the president said, look, I need to go down there and stop this. This is crazy town. And the state said, don't you dare send in your people. We'll let the violence and the, and, and the abuse of the cops and everything else rage. And he tried to stop that, too. But how far can he go? Yeah. Right? Well, you'll, you know, you'll always have people that disagree. I mean, <laughs> throughout Christian history, sure. there have been people that have opposed. But here's what he needed to do. Saul Alinsky wrote a book. You're familiar with this book, Sam. It's called Rules for Radicals. In the book, yes, he oh, articulated yeah. a principle that, that, is, that is being played out today. It's called pressure from below, pressure from above. You're familiar with that principle. And the oh, yeah. Democrats have employed that principle to a great effect throughout that's, you know, the that's last That's because they years. control the deep state, which is pressure from above. They control the shadow government. Uh -huh. And it's also because the people are with them from below, if you accept that the people are below. Yeah. Yeah. And there are half the nation supports Trump. I would suggest even more than half the nation. He, he was the legitimate winner. I don't think so. I think the, the majority of the nation election. is against Donald Trump. Okay, well, and reasonable minds can disagree on that. I think, and, and I'll and I'll prove the half, point. At least about half. how many of us? Okay. How many of us defended Trump when he said, "Let's abolish health care, government mandated health care, or Obamacare, whatever you want to call it, Romney care, who knows what you call it? Let's abolish it." Congress promised they would, then they failed. How many Americans stood up and said, "Congress, the president wants it. We want it. We demand you get it done." And the answer is, it was a resounding silence. The people did nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, we're worse off. In fact, than did I you call your congressman about that? Okay, I stand corrected. Right. Damn. So I'm saying the people um, are not. They they that. say they like Trump. They might have voted for Trump, but they're not willing to back Trump, as far as I can see. Well, All right. Let's need, talk about. Go ahead. Let's talk about wars of a foreign or foreign aggression and wars in foreign lands, because it's important. Exactly. Okay. Okay, when we've talked about this in the past, yeah, they're wrong. So what you do is you fire all of your establishment generals, you replace them. You, you have to, this takes delegation. This takes a lot of work uh, and a lot of planning. You, you, first of all, you have to fire all of your establishment generals because there are deep state generals throughout the Pentagon and the military. You got to get rid of them. But you have to delegate that authority with people you trust. And then you replace them with people that are on board 
with a, the non-aggression principle. You're familiar with that. You don't initiate oh, yeah. aggression. And then, and then, and then, and only then, Sam, are you prepared to withdraw troops from wars of foreign aggression. And while you're at it, withdraw them from North or South Korea, withdraw them from Japan, withdraw them from Germany. Yeah, we're in 130 we nations troops. militarily. Withdraw them from all those places. The question becomes, can President Trump go up against the deep state and the money changers backing the military-industrial complex and win? At this stage, if, if I'm not he, so sure he can. If, but he, he failed to use his most powerful weapon, Sam, which is the bully pulpit. You need to use that. You need to educate. You need to articulate. And I agree. There will be people that will push back and resist. That's fine. But you realize that the, in, during the Revolutionary War, it was about a third, maybe less. A lot of people think it was only 3% of the American uh, colonists who uh, were part of the revolutionary movement. And I don't you know that we have 3% that even can. understand the dishonest money system. Do you? Well, well, you, that's why you have to get on your bully pulpit and inform the people of what's going on. I dare say half the the population would probably say, wait a minute, nobody's ever explained it to me in those terms. And I can yeah, explain I think, it, and I'm not that, I'm not even as I think well that's valuable. So they eventually, they eventually chopped off Donald's only way to get directly to the American people without the gatekeepers, which at some point was Twitter. They eventually chopped that off. Do you think if he really educated and pushed the envelope like you're saying, they would have chopped him off earlier? Um, oh, yeah. They would have used, but that, that would have played into his plan. The more they try to censor him, the more curiosity that arouses in the general public, Sam. Because censorship right. is we're called about, the strike. We're about out of time. Trump on prosecuting criminals. Um, well, he he could start by appointing an attorney, attorney general that agrees with his agenda to prosecute criminals, like Hillary Clinton, like George Soros. But he didn't. He chose Bill Barr. And who was the one that preceded Bill? Uh, I can't remember right now, <laughs> but you're correct. Anyway, I yeah. think he surrounds. I think one of Trump's greatest failures, and this is my personal opinion, I think one of his greatest failures was who he chose to surround himself with. And I think even though he may not have realized it at the time, that was Trump's primary undoing. No question about that reality. I'll give you that one, Chris. Thanks for the enlightened, valuable conversation. Godspeed, my brother. We'll talk soon. For Sam and Chris, God save the Republic of the United States of America. Atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow American Sam Bushman, live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for April the 30th in the year of our Lord, 2021. The goal to protect life, liberty, and property, to promote God, family, and country, always on your radio, folks. Now, I'm telling you right now, it's a freedom-loving, fantastic, faith-filled, we're taking America back, one heart, one mind, one issue at a time, Friday. And the good doctor is in the house, Dr. Scott Bradley with us, his whole lifelong goal and collegiate series to match, to preserve the nation. His website, freedomsrisingsun.com, 
live on-demand weekly webinars, and a whole lot more. Dr. Bradley, welcome back, sir. Well, thank you very much. I hope it's a beautiful spring day in your neck of the woods and, well, indeed, all over this great nation. Certainly is here. All right. Amen. So last hour we had on Chris Carlson, and he asked a very important question that I want to reiterate and then jet into our topic today, doctor. What is the point of being a constitutionalist if we support politicians who are not? Wise question from Chris Carlson. I'll tell you that right now. But then let's ask the next question from an article that I found in WorldNetDaily, WND.com, doing a phenomenal job. Cuban refugee speaks out. Americans have digested poison pill of communism. You can tell how much the media hates this country, writes Art Moore of WND.com. Former Cuban refugee Maximo Alvarez warned in a speech at the Republican National Convention last summer that many Americans have swallowed the poison pill of communism. But listen, but now he says not only have they swallowed it, they've digested it. Hard-hitting talk on your radio. What do you say to that, doctor? Well, I, I don't believe that should be any news to anybody that's been paying attention. If you've been doing anything but living under a rock, I mean, here's, here's the deal. You know, and I know a lot of people think, woo-hoo, Tim Scott, he did a great job as a rebuttal to uh, Biden's, uh, uh, I don't know, joint session of Congress address. But uh, <clears throat> truly, I'm very concerned that what's going to happen is that whether you take Biden's drivel or Tim Scott's, you're going to see that uh, one just is a slightly different way to hold your mouth while you're doing it. Uh, back, back in February of 2009, Newsweek put out a, uh, a magazine that the cover had a right, uh, well, there were two hands, right hands. One was red, one was blue, and they were shaking hands, and it says, we are all socialists now. Of course, communism is a virulent form of socialism, but it is socialism, just like Nazism is, just like uh, fascism is, just like uh, Fabian socialism or Labor Party or whatever, or the Republican Party, largely. Now, there are some rare exceptions, and I'm offending many probably now because people believe that uh, their guy or gal is you know, walks on water. There's only been one that's walked on water that was uh, perfect in all things. Um, I know Peter tried for a while, but didn't do too so, so good when his faith failed. We can only put our faith in God and Christ. And, and, and what has happened is a lot of people have become so enamored with their flavor of somebody's um, jargon that they're spewing that uh, as I listened to Tim Scott the other day after the, the Biden uh, talk that was a huge, probably the biggest power grab in the history of this nation uh, in 6,000 words. Anyway, uh, he basically was saying, yeah, you go with our our program. You know, nah, we, we want infrastructure. We want, well, okay, no, okay, get your constitution out, people. You tell us what infrastructure is supported by the United States Constitution. You tell us what education is supported in the U.S. Constitution. And you could take every single item. Now, i got to say that getting out of Afghanistan was the most constitutional thing that Biden said, but there's problematic with that, too. But the fact of the matter is, if, if Biden wants a $2.25 or $3 trillion, quote-unquote, infrastructure bill, 
which really isn't all about infrastructure. It's about other things, too. But not one shred of anything that's in there is constitutional. Now, so the Republicans come along and say, no, 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 no. Yeah, we've got to have infrastructure. It's, but we only need $800 billion of it, or we need $1 trillion of it, or whatever. It's, it's like, is having a little bit of cancer okay instead of a whole bunch right now? And, and so what we're doing is we're, we're accepting... Uh, okay, let's go back to Lenin and, and uh, Marx and to Mao. They, they felt like power came out of the barrel of a rifle and it was now or never and revolutionary overthrow and all this kind of stuff. There was a little Italian guy named Antonio Gramsci back in the 1920s and, uh, in Italy. And uh, he was ad, an abject communist, totally committed to the whole thing. But he advocated a slice at a time communism. And you could do it through legislative action. And uh, that's what the Fabian Socialists and the Labor Party and the Republican Party and the Democrat Party are doing in America. But, but what happens is you still end up with a whole loaf of communism ultimately. And so whether you get it a slice at a time or right now out of the barrel of a rifle or the point of a bayonet, you're still going to end up under that horrid tyranny. So what we need to do is recalibrate and, and the calibration tool has always been with us. It's always been plain and simple, straightforward, unequivocal. And, and you know, the Tenth Amendment very specifically says, you know, general government, if we didn't grant you or delegate you any power, you don't have it. You do not have it. You will read in vain what is found in the United States Constitution and try and equate it to anything that Mr. Biden or Mr. Scott said on uh, Wednesday night. And, and so therein lies our problem. And Newsweek, I think, really had, as, as, as sickening as it was back in February of 2009, we are all socialists now. Everybody is, is just taking their little dip into the, into the um, poison. But by, by doing it that way, we are giving away the greatest, freest, strongest, most happy, most prosperous, most respected nation on earth, either a slice at a time or by one avalanche. And, and that's where we're going with this. And Americans need to admit that to themselves or else we're going to just simply sink into the abyss. So I, I don't know where your conversations went earlier, but maybe mine takes it uh, up and amps it up somewhat. But well, I'm it amps not it up happy quite with a bit. what either said. Last hour, we basically debated Donald Trump. So here's kind of the debate of last hour that I think you'll weigh in on and make sense here for. Uh, and basically, Chris Carlson took one side, I took the other. Was Donald Trump's presidency a success or a failure? And that all depends on how you define success and or failure. And Chris basically said, hey, Trump's uh, presidency was a complete, dismal, unequivocal failure. And I say, I think to a great degree, President Trump's uh, administration was a success. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't vote for President Trump. I'm not saying he's constitutional. I'm not saying he kept his oath of office. But I am saying circumstantially, he moved a lot of decent things forward that no president in my lifetime has ever done. And you got to give credit for that is my point. It's not to say that Trump was great or that Trump was constitutional or any of those things. I didn't vote for him and I haven't both terms and I won't if he runs for a third. Um, so I'm not defending Trump that I believe in him 100%, but I am saying you got to acknowledge some of the good that he accomplished uh, along the way. When you're uh, you know, going downstream 100 miles an hour and you 
manage to grab a branch here or there and do some good. I'm not saying that we're better off as a country. I'm not saying that he was constitutional or that he kept his office. I'm not saying there wasn't a ton of mistakes on his watch. There were. But I am saying that he furthered several things, and a lot of Americans are, are awake now who were not before as a result of his efforts. Uh, and it's far from perfect, and I can think of people who would probably sit the watch better than he did, no doubt about it. You're one of them, to make the point. Uh, but I can't just go all negative and say that there's no value or that he didn't do uh, any good. Overall, I would say his presidency, given the circumstances, was a success because I believe he bought us a little more time for liberty before Jesus Christ comes. And the only question is, is how long will it be until Jesus comes? We don't know. But how much tyranny versus liberty will we have until that occurs is kind of what we're debating or discussing. Your thoughts, doctor? Well, I pray uh, and hope in every way that you're correct, that, that we have some things that are vestiges that are, that are still uh, hanging on. I think uh, Biden, if, if there was any good things that he did, such as the Paris climate thing, uh, were, were immediately offset because the whole process that was done was was constitutionally unsound. But uh, but I do hope and pray that we have uh, extended uh, our opportunities to personally and as a nation draw closer to God and Christ and, and prepare for that thing. But I do not believe that... Uh, I, I, I just can't give him a pass on things where he went to war unconstitutionally. Uh, where he, Hold on. Uh, Let's be clear. No one's given him a pass on that. I'll agree that that's egregious. Well, I know and, you're and I said he made several mistakes, and those are, those are they. I also think he made a massive mistake about those who he had surround him. Had he put the Dr. Bradleys and the Sam Bushmans and the people around him, uh, I think that he would not have made so many mistakes. So I'm not giving him any pass for those mistakes whatsoever um, in my analysis of this. Chris is right that, you know what, there's a lot of problems with the Trump presidency. There's no doubt about it. However, we need to be at least somewhat, um, oh, what's the word to use? Somewhat understanding of and respectful relating to the efforts that he made versus the swamp that he fought. You know, the shadow government's pretty deep and pretty gnarly. How much can one man that grew up and, and was raised by the Democrats and the bankers, how much can one man do? And I think I got more out of him than I expected by a long shot is the whole kind of summation for me. But Chris is right on every point that he made. Your response in seconds, Doctor. Dr. Bradley with me on your radio. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married, and have some kids.
Have we realized the assault against our lives, our liberties, our faith? To defeat this assault, Christians and all people of goodwill should have strategies to prevail in our faith and principles, which are simple. No need for a complex formula. One goal, one aim. A strategy like the heroic Christians of the past. We win, they lose. Nothing less. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm by a friend of Megagoria. The Strategy of Heaven Revealed. Big Q, Little Q. The Calm Before the Storm. Available on Amazon.com or by calling Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Live and on your radio, the good doctor, Dr. Scott Bradley with me. Freedomsrisingsun.com, his website. Check out his weekly webinars, his collegiate series to preserve the nation and more. We're talking about, you know what? Is Trump's presidency a success or a failure? And uh, you got to kind of dig in. A Cuban refugee testified or spoke before the National Republican Convention last summer. He says, not only have we um, swallowed a poison pill of communism but we've digested that thing now and you know what it's hard to disagree uh maximo alvarez is the one that said it and he basically said hey not only we uh you know swallowed it but we've adjusted that sucker <laughs> wow um he basically came to the united states from cuba in 1961 via operation peter pan is how uh, alvarez got here and he makes the case very succinctly that, you know what, we become a flat-out communist nation, that the people love and have embraced communism, uh, and the people who don't, for the most part, publicly spout the line but privately criticize um, because they're afraid to speak out publicly about what their real feelings and really their real thoughts and actions are. Uh, anyway, this goes back to, is Donald Trump's presidency a success or a failure? So I don't at all give Trump a pass on going to war or a lot of the mistakes that were made, but I do acknowledge the good that he accomplished. Um, and I, I, I'm not saying, you know, here's what uh, Chris Carlson articulated, uh, Scott, Dr. Bradley, and then I'll turn it over to you. He said, yeah, you know, Sam, I appreciate that, but that's like entering a beauty contest and you got last place. I mean, I guess you qualified for the beauty contest, but you were last. You failed. Um, it's all a relative discussion of what you, how you define success or failure and what you're willing to focus on really is the discussion. It's not a right or wrong answer necessarily as much as it is a reflective uh, discussion about, you know, where do we sit? What did he do? What could he have done? What ought we to do? And going forward, what are the takeaways? Really, in my opinion, is where the uh, opportunities uh, could be, right? Well, obviously, we need to uh, celebrate and, and be joyful at, at those things that, which are going in the right direction. Um, I often think about it, uh, if you had a, uh, you were in school and you were taking a multiple guess test, you know, those multiple choice things, A, B, C, D. Statistically, if you just kind of randomly selected it, you could say, oh, they might get 25%. Well, you still didn't pass the test. And, uh, and it was good that you randomly selected 25% correct answers, A, B, C, D, but 
we, we need better than that. And, and I guess I would have to say that for the last couple of centuries, uh, we have had a nearly two centuries. Uh, our presidents have been uh, a group of lessers, is what I would call them. Uh, most of them uh, are, are political hacks and, and really have not really achieved what we should have had in the office. I mean, George Washington uh, was, was an immaculate uh, mortal for leadership. He deflected power constantly. He had his flaws, obviously. But I, and, I, and so I don't want to denigrate any correct answers that, that may have been given during the presidency, but kind of here's, here's where I get a little bit of, it's a problematic kind of situation. Um, let's, let's look at who we listen to sometimes and, and trying to steer with me for a little while. If you go back to the First uh, Kings chapter 13, you find uh, a, an event documented there in which somebody gets instructed by the Lord. He is sent forth, uh, you know, by his own, you know, he, he got his own direct inspiration from God, if you will, and however people want to talk about that. And, and he was told to do certain things. He was told not to do certain things. And he ended up listening to another guy that said, oh, I'm a prophet too. No, I, here's what you need to do. It contradicted what the Lord had told him to do. He ended up following the guy, not the Lord, and he ended up getting killed by a lion. Okay, go read that. First Kings chapter 13 sticks in my mind as being the correct one. At any rate, you may, people may remember that. Okay, now what we need to do is when we have the inside track, if we have the scoop, we don't listen to somebody else and follow them blindly. Let's talk for just a second about people that have taken this to the mat. If the Lord has told you, and I, I, however your communication through the power of the Spirit is, uh, we, we have different faith belief systems probably listening to this thing, but if you've been instructed from on high, to not take the jab and to not pollute yourself and your posterity with that. And yet Donald Trump comes out and ardently, uh, voraciously, enthusiastically rails against those that believe that way. And you follow him because you have taken everything he says to the mat. You're go it's gospel. You don't care. You're going to close your eyes and your ears and your mouth to everything else. Well, then I think that you're, you're setting yourself up. And I use that as one example. There's hundreds of things that could be said that if we falsely follow a leader, we are trapped just as though we had followed another leader that led us merrily down another path. And so what needs to happen is we need to go back to the baseline. We need to be instructed, if you will, from the source material. And, and I truly believe in the Founding Fathers, I can document with their writings and their statements and so on, that the hand of God, the finger of God, providence, however they said it, was upon them as they brought this nation forth. And we do have a sound foundation. We have a back trail to get there. And, and regardless of what someone that we have the greatest of respect for, look, Satan tells 10,000 truths to get one fatal lie in there. He will tell you uh, something that makes you feel good and happy and, and that you're okay or whatever. And then if you've taken a hook, line, and sinker and he, and he throws you this curveball that you just say, well, I've trusted him in the past. No, we have, we have a foundation. If you understand the baseline, 
you don't have to be deceived. And so, yeah, let's celebrate any of the good things that came out of Trump's uh, presidency. But let's not give away every, I mean, I was utterly shocked. And there are probably many of your listeners that are in this. And again, I, we may be driving people away from your program. And I, I, I'm sorry for doing this, Sam. But, but there were perhaps millions that were praying that there would be a military coup that would implement uh, military uh, martial law on this nation and reinstall Trump. You know, the last time we really had martial law on a very large scale was back during the deconstruction years after the Civil War. The, the, the nation passed, the, the re radical Republicans in Congress passed horrific laws that treated the nation as a, con that, that treated the South and deconstructed the South as though it were a conquered nation, which in fact, I guess, in all intents and purposes, it was. It was horrid to live there. They had military commissions, military tribunals that ran things. That's what comes with martial law. And yet there were good people that loved Trump to the point they wanted martial law instituted upon this nation. And, and we would, it would have been hell on earth to do that. And what we need to do it is by the right principles follow the right path. It's well marked. It's well defined. And yet we, we continue to look for false alternatives and, and kind of strain at gnats and swallow camels. So, Amen. So I I'm couldn't saying, agree more with you, Dr. Bradley. That's something that we certainly need to guard against. And that's why I say Trump did a lot of good, but let's not trust in the arm of flesh. Yesterday's broadcast, I had a conversation with a guy by the name of Alex Spicer, who does the Alex Spicer show. Faith, Family, and Freedom, Teaching and Defending the Fundamental Principles of Freedom. Uh, anyway, alexspicer.com slash listen if you want to check that out, ladies and gentlemen. But in that conversation, and there's a reason that I'm telling you about this, Doctor. It relates to our conversation right now. We asked the question on the radio, who are we? Our godly American heritage is key. Our Father in Heaven gave us the sacred gift of agency. We need to learn to live according to sound principles. What are your governing values? How can we become the peaceful followers of Christ? Answer, it starts with learning to serve our fellow man. When ye are in the service of your fellow beings, you're only in the service of your God, Mosiah. We talked about it from the Book of Mormon a little bit. Now, a lot of people don't believe in the Book of Mormon, but I submit to you that they can and should consider that advice and guidance, nevertheless. And so I, I bring this all up because we need to turn to God, not man. And we can't think of Trump or Obama or anybody else as our Savior. We need to develop a relationship with God. And it starts on our knees. It starts with repentance. It starts with humility. And then it starts with getting up and learning to serve other people. And we can get rid of 90% of the divides or more. Uh, and, and really return to the principles if we would do that. But without that, we'll never be on the right track. So I agree 100% that a lot of people are on the wrong track thinking Trump is the answer to end all and be all. I don't think that for one second. I just think he stood up more for pro-life than any other president in my lifetime. That's all. Uh, but he's a human. And if we're not careful, he'll lead us off the rails just like anybody else will. God Almighty is the one to turn to, ladies and gentlemen. Dr. Bradley's response to that in seconds. You are listening to the one and only. Liberty Roundtable Live radio program. Exposing corruption. 
informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden on Thursday said he planned to continue talks with Republicans about infrastructure and jobs, but would not accept a proposal that funded only a fraction of his $2.3 trillion package. Biden made the comments while selling his proposal in Georgia on Thursday. Republicans propose a $568 billion five-year package as a counteroffer. At least 44 people have been killed in a stampede at a crowded religious festival in northeast Israel Thursday. Hundreds more were injured at the festival, which takes place annually at the foot of Mount Moron, a religious holiday marked with all-night bonfires, prayer, and dancing. Indonesian officials working to determine how a military submarine with 53 crew members sunk earlier this month during a training exercise said the vessel may have been hit by an internal solitary wave in the sea off Bali. It's reported that such waves are invisible but have the strength to drag down a submarine to dangerous depths. USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Alaroot for our newest sponsor, Asset Strategies, or ASI for short. ASI is a precious metals powerhouse. They sell gold and silver. Never in history has there been a more important moment to buy gold and silver. ASI has been in business for 39 years. They've served over 20,000 clients and sold $5 billion worth of gold, silver, and precious metals with zero complaints. Last year, gold saw gains of 25%. Silver nearly doubled gold's performance. Now Democrats are in charge. Green New Deal, open borders, free health care for illegals. Bailout broke cities and states. The debt is about to go through the stratosphere. The time to buy is now. The owners of ASI, Michael and Rich Checkin, have been my close personal friends for 16 years. ASI is the company I trust when it comes to buying and selling precious metals. Call now to receive a free consultation and a free one-ounce Silver Eagle with every qualifying purchase when you mention the Wayne Alaroot Show. Call 800-831-0007. That's 800-831-0007. Or visit AssetStrategies.com. Former President Trump spoke out on fraud in the 2020 elections amid the ongoing vote recount in Maricopa County in Arizona. The 45th president urged Americans to keep an eye on the forensic audit. A spokesman for the Maricopa, Arizona audit explains why this audit is different. This audit is different from anything that the county has done because this is a recount of the ballots. This is also looking into the machines. Yes, they did a what's called a logic and accuracy test on the machines. But that just verified that the machines were working at that moment. This is going into, was there any unofficial or unauthorized software on any of those machines? Uh, Even if they looked at that, we're going much deeper and we're recounting every one of the 2,089,563 ballots. Arizona Democrats fought hard to block the audit. Conservatives claim election integrity is at stake. The NFL draft continues in Cleveland, Ohio. Thursday's first pick was Clemson Tigers quarterback Trevor Lawrence, selected by the Jacksonville Jaguars. USA Radio News. All right, back with you live. Dr. Scott Bradley with me to preserve the nation. His lifelong goal and collegiate series to match freedomsrisingsun.com, his website. Check it out for live and on demand webinars, incredible videos, and more. Freedomsrisingsun.com. So, Dr. Bradley, I, I, I articulate that last um, yesterday's broadcast hour with Alex Spicer to kind of highlight. I think it starts with learning who we are, developing a relationship with God, and letting that become our governing values and well, everything should emanate from that reality and relationship. Your thoughts? 
Well, um, as you know, a few weeks ago, we mentioned to you that we had made a plea. We, in fact, uh, you can go to my website. First of all, it's freedomsrisingsun.com. You've mentioned it a couple of times. You get to my home page. There is on that front page uh, a, a plea to petition God through fasting and prayer each month. See, here a few weeks ago, and we talked about this on your program, there was one that I put up earlier, and you go back to the uh, uh, an earlier page. Uh, you don't have to look too far back. Uh, on my uh, history or collection of, of videos that we do on our, our weekly webinar, uh, there's one there called Join in a Day of Fasting and Prayer to Restore and Preserve American Foundational Principles. That's the one that we talked about uh, some, some time ago on your broadcast. But as late as last night when I did a, a webinar that uh, anybody can join, you can sign up on the home page. To uh, you, you have to have an invitation to come in, but all you got to do is sign up for it on, on the home page to the webinar, and you'll get an invitation. And then you just, uh, on Thursday night, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, you uh, click on that and, and you join in the webinar. You ask questions or just listen in. And afterwards, we do put up uh, videos of my answers. It's just my talking head. When a question comes up, I, uh, we, we make them into a, a brief video and then we post them there. At any rate, I'm trying, I, I've decided based on the response we had from that some weeks ago when you and I talked about it on your program, I would like to make this a tradition. And uh, so last night as, as we finished up our, our webinar, I, I basically said a plea to petition God through fasting and prayer each month. What I suggested to our listeners, and I'll do the same to your listeners on your program, is that, uh, and, and you'll, you can listen to the whole program. You don't have to listen to my spiel right now. But uh, my position and belief is that we need to start turning our hearts back to God. We need to uh, importune before his throne, if you will, for uh, guidance, for protection, for renewal, for restoration, and uh, for wisdom and everything else that needs to happen. And so I've, I've suggested that every first Sunday of every month, which is coming up this Sunday, that everyone that is able, and I, I say be wise, you know, if you're a diabetic and your blood sugar is going to kill you if, you if you fast, don't do it. We need well, all the friends we can get. Uh, but but a joint is an individual, if that's all they'll do, or as a family, or with among friends. If you have group, uh, a group of people that you associate with, that you have a similar faith base, uh, belief, if you, if, you know, you have a group that loves liberty, uh, we have found and reports that I've had back from this when we when we made this suggestion uh, some time ago, it was a magnificent spiritual experience for a lot of the people that that had tried it and uh, and and they said, yeah, that we're in, we're we're going to do this. And so, based upon that feedback and the fact that we so desperately need it, I'm suggesting. And again, I'm just one guy that uh, you know has hope that we'll be able to restore what we were gifted by God at such great cost by our founding fathers and those that followed on, that we'll turn our hearts back that way. And so I absolutely believe that that if we soften our hearts to, to hear the power of the Spirit, to listen with our hearts, not just uh, our minds. I believe personally our hearts are kind of a better brain many times than our, than our you know, with what's rattling around in our heads. And, uh, and so hear with your heart feel with the power of the Spirit, the things that are needful in order to restore what's out of order in your life. I mean, each one of us individually has to 
you know, begin with that. I mean, after all, that's all we really are sovereign over. We can choose uh, to come to God in Christ or, or we can choose not. And, and that's where we begin. But we can bring it into our families. We can bring it into our circle of influence, into our congregations. And, and I, I suggest to the people that, you know, really, that this faith and prayer and fasting stuff, uh, God can multitask. <laughs> and it sounds a little bit humorous to say it that way, but but you know what? If you're fasting on behalf of a family problem or a, or a, a vexing thing about struggles you're having in your life or someone that's ill or whatever, fine, great, do it. I, I strongly recommend it. But But to say, oh, we can only fast and pray for one thing at a time, I think we denigrate God with that kind of attitude in that we tend to to cause ourselves to say, oh, well, he is so limited, just like we are, that, you know, no, he couldn't handle two things at once. And again, when you put it in the, it sounds funny, actually, but but I think, you know, fold this in with the other things that you're doing in your life that are good and noble and wonderful and wise. Fold this in as as something that needs attention. And, and I truly believe many of the other things that we have will kind of smooth out also because this cause of liberty it is god's cause it is truly an eternal issue i believe god ordained his children to be free to choose to be able to follow the things of righteousness and and that as we do that i think other things sort themselves too so yeah i i would say we've got to get right with god and and i think a lot of other things will be you know, more right anyway. That's not to say we're not going to have challenges. That's not to say we're not going to to face a real bumpy road because we have foolishly chosen those that we have put in our in as our trusted representatives that the nation needs to be on its knees before it can stand up again, I think. Uh, I mean, when, when, when the nation was founded and the... Uh, we were a dusty backwater, you know, former colonies that were, I mean, the, the European powers were licking their chops to pick us up again because we were unraveling, the wheels were following off, we were off the rails, however you want to put it in a modern vernacular. And and what happened is when we implemented the, the program that I believe God ordained for this land, a land of liberty, a land wherein we could worship and serve God and, and do all those things that are absolutely essential, we stood up. We dusted ourselves off. We we marched forward in a with our heads high because you were right with God, and and I think that has to happen, and and so we bow our knee and our heads to get to the point where we can be right with God. And so that, that that's just something that came out of my webinar last night. And again, people that wish to go to freedomsrisingsun.com, you can look there on the home page. There's a plea to petition God through fasting and prayer each month, and that's for this Sunday. And go off, going forward with um, each first Sunday of the month, let's start our month off with uh, with fo that focus. And, and you can go back to the second page of the uh, uh, collected vid videos there and, and read or watch the Join in a Day of Fasting and Prayer to Restore and Preserve American Foundation Principles. That's the title you'd look for. It's got a blue background. Anyway, um, I... I hope that we can be wise enough to do that because I don't I don't see in the wisdom of man anything that's going to save us. I do not see any individual that we can put our trust in and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to the mat with this one because people fail us. And uh, 
we're all mortal and we're all weak and, and yes we should commemorate and celebrate and and rejoice in when things do go right but um the only true um anchor is is this you know, source of divine assistance and so anyway so much for my two cents worth take a look at it folks and uh maybe see if it fits in your life there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, a huge plea from the good doctor. But you know what? He only has our best interest in mind as individuals, as families, as a nation, uh, and really uh, worldwide as people who believe in Christ. Okay? It's not about governments around the world. No doubt the United States should be a light on a hill, should be the quintessential guidance for other nations uh, of how to separate power and protect the people from tyranny, should be a light on a hill to point people straight to Jesus Christ. Uh, as our king and as our solution uh, and as our author of liberty. No doubt about all that. Uh, but in the meantime, we've got to work real hard on educating the American people. You know what? Chris Carlson brought that up. Um, Alex Spicer brought that up yesterday. Uh, Dr. Bradley brings it up again. Education is the quintessential key to the solutions. If Americans are educated and insist on accountability for those whom they elect, you know what? Things would change. But if we don't know the truth, we can't advocate for it. If we don't insist on it, we can't expect others who serve us or work for us or elected by us or whatever you want to call it uh, to carry out our, our, our duty on that. If we're silent, if we're not educated, if we're not insistent. I mean, our founders said you have a republic if you can keep it, meaning that you've got to be a good, honest, moral person. And then you've got to make sure that you demand. You expect nothing less out of those who serve you. And if they don't do a job, you need to put somebody else in who will. And if they're uh, committing election fraud, we need to put a halt to that con game, create transparency, throw people in jail. We've got to be decisive and take action and get involved in solutions, ladies and gentlemen. When we get back, Sam and the Good Doctor on your radio will talk a lot more about what we, the people, can do. Don't give up, folks. The party ain't over yet, I'll tell you that right now. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? Please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing Foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various Foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3, founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. 
Well, my mom smokes and my dad smokes, and I saw them smoking, so I tried it. They're telling me not to smoke, but they smoke themselves. When it comes to smoking, are you sending mixed signals? But when you teach someone a certain way to do things and you go back on that certain way, it sends mixed signals to the person that they're trying to teach. The parents need to be the example. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things you can do to make a difference. Don't think the fat lady's song. Don't think the party's over because it's not. I'm telling you right now, those who are on the side of the Almighty God shall have success. And all we got to do is keep faith in that, ladies and gentlemen. And then all you got to do is develop a relationship with God Almighty. Pray through the Savior Jesus Christ in his name. Let the Savior Jesus Christ be your advocate with the Father, ladies and gentlemen. And we can receive blessings. He can heal our land. He can protect us. He is the author of our liberty. So what can you do in a real scenario? You can educate yourself and then make sure that you decide that you'll be part of the solution. That's the starting point. Pray to God Almighty and find out where you fit in his plan to preserve the sacred cause of liberty till the Savior Jesus Christ comes. But as you are on a quest to accomplish that goal, it might start with making sure you're caught up to speed educationally yourself. And Dr. Bradley has videos to help get that exact thing done. One of the most important videos, choose the video section on Dr. Bradley's website, freedomsrisingsun.com. Uh, and then on the second page, he has a specific video to point out. There's hundreds, thousands of videos there. But this one is quintessential to the discussion today. Doctor? Well, basically, um, I, I've recently put out a little video called Principles, uh, excuse me, Fundamental Principles of Liberty and Proper Government. It's a... Uh, it's a 52-minute video, and I know a lot of people's uh, patience wears thin. I think therein is part of the problem that we face as a nation is that uh, we think that if you can't put the idea on the back of a business card, it's not worth considering. But uh, basically, we go through these fundamental principles that were established right at the very beginning of this nation, everything from our Republican form of government not having anything to do with the current party, and on the matters of uh, sources of, of rights and purposes of government and the, the principles of foundation and how these all tied together right from the Declaration of Independence on through the United States Constitution. Every step of the way through the beginnings of this nation, these things have been at the forefront of everything that has happened. <clears throat> and, and you might... I mean, I, I have a bad habit, I, I must admit. The bad habit is, is when I watch State of the Union addresses and some such things by the politicians, I tend to, to uh, I count how many times they, they invoke democracy. And, and I thought with Biden's talk the other night that, you know, he started off in the first couple of minutes doing it a couple of times, and he was silent on it for a long time. All the rest of the drivel he, he spilled out. And then at the very end, he, he mentioned it 13 more times in the very last few minutes of it. And I thought, holy cow, it's back 15 times. So that's by, by my count, you know, so maybe I missed something because I was doing it manually. But the effort to completely immerse us in this false philosophy that Marx and Lenin and Mao insisted were the steps towards communism, you know, getting back to our earlier uh, discussion about how we've swallowed this communist pill, well, Marx and Lenin and, and Mao and, of course, Woodrow Wilson and a whole bunch of other people, most of our latter-day pre, uh, presidents, 
have, have just <clears throat> given us a complete immersion in this democracy nonsense. But Biden did that too. A little segment of this fundamental principles of liberty and proper government, I talk about how every step of the way from the very beginning, it has been trusted representatives that have acted within the limits and bounds of their authority that was delegated to them in every instance. And we, we have never varied from that as a nation. Now, as the farther we get away from that, the, the more worrisome it becomes. And in fact, that's one of the reasons that we're well on our way to communism. If you look at the 10 points of the Communist Manifesto, you discover that we've implemented uh, large portions of all 10. And by the way, the 10 points of the Communist Manifesto are not the sum and substance of the communist belief system. They are the steps that are required to bring a nation such as the United States into full-blown communism. And so what we have done as a nation is we have adopted huge gulps of that and all 10 points are in some degree or another incorporated into how we do our government now, but uh, they're, they're just not their fullness in probably one and a half or two of them. And so when, uh, for example, Biden talks about uh, the changing the uh, the tax rate to 40, excuse me, 39.6%. And, and he hearkens back to George W. Bush with that. It's like, holy cow, <clears throat> this this uh, graduated income tax thing is is right at the forefront of what the what the communists are trying to do. And yes, he's re-implementing it, but we never left it. Those that wanted to, you know, we had 10, I think, uh, levels of, of uh, income tax uh, based upon what your income was. People want to change it to one or two or three or five. I mean, if you have more than one level, it's communism because that's one of the 10 points. And so Biden's trying to think about this, folks. If you give virtually 40% of your income to a, uh, uh, the, the federal income tax, and then you give your Social Security on top of that, and you have all the other accoutrements we've hung on that, your, and your sales tax, your gasoline tax, your property tax. I mean, every time we turn around, pretty soon, what are we going to do? Let's say you have a faith belief that you're supposed to give 10% of tithe to your God of your income. And what if the government, that's every level, is taking 89%, and you got one, uh, you got 1% left after you give your 10% to God? You can't live on that. You can't live on that. And that's why if people look at their total tax structure and how we have embraced this philosophy that government owns everything, except for a little portion that they'll let you keep, we have fallen far. And twice in the Federalist Papers, Hamilton talks about if uh, control over a man's subsistence is a control over the man. And that's where we are with this. And Biden, with his buffoonery and that 6,000-word manifesto of destruction of liberty in this nation, we're talking again of re-implementing additional structures of burdens upon people that we should never have. This is a, this was once a free land. So anyway, go back if you're interested, go look at the fundamental principles of liberty and proper government that's found on uh, <clears throat> my website. And, and perhaps There'll be a few things in there to think about that might say, hey, you know what, we got to go back to this. Let's let's encourage our representatives to limit their their actions to these bounds. Let's let's recognize some things that will help us become a free people again. So I don't know. Uh, you might want to amen to that. To that in I got the notes. video. I got the video documented here. Fundamental principles okay. of liberty. 
and proper government, and there's a link to that. Um, I want to say this, though. Biden declares January 6th attack, not 9-11, as the worst attack on our democracy since Civil War. I mean, how many things can go wrong with a single headline, doctor? <laughs> well, yeah, it's a bunch of lies. I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. I mean, every word of that is is a lie. I mean, you know, it, it's like we 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 strain at gnats and swallow camels in this in this country, and we cannot continue to accept that kind of uh, philosophy, and and say, well, you know, but our guy is pretty good, or. Or, you know, he's not as bad as Biden, but, you know, but this slice at a time, Antonio Gramsci kind of communism will take us to the same end result. We'll have the whole loaf of communism ultimately and finally, and I think we're well down that path, tragically. We can bring it back, but it didn't happen overnight, and it will not happen a correction overnight unless with God's divine intervention but to tell you the truth, I'm, you know, so I'm not going to limit God's power on this thing and say, oh, no, he can't do it unless it takes four more years or whatever. But I'm going to tell you that unless and until we're doing our part, you know, this educating ourselves and insisting that our leadership step up to their sacred oath of office and we got to stop sending buffoons into those trusted positions, people that are not worthy of governance, that are incapable of governance, that don't understand the first thing about limited government and checks and balances and separation of powers and delegation of authority and you know, everything that's fundamental. We'll go back and read the, look at the video. It's only 52 minutes long for crying out loud. It's not everything we need to know, but it's a place to start. Ladies and gentlemen, and that's all we need is a place to start and start working on it. You know, I know things seem negative, and I get it. And, and I get that you can say, you know what, Donald's presidency was a failure. You know, stick a fork in it. Uh, you know, we've already lost. The fat lady's already sung. You can go down that road, but I'm not interested in that road, and I'll tell you why. I still have my free agency. All right, I still have my agency. And I am going to do all that I can to teach the principles of liberty, to share the hope and faith of God Almighty's promise to me in the Bible. If I repent and turn to him, he will heal my land and protect me. And I know that's a nationwide promise, and I know that it may come true for others and not for some and all that kind of stuff. I get it based on our own actions, but I want to make a difference. And I know that I make a tiny difference. I get that I'm just one, but one becomes two, then becomes the few, then becomes the many. And I know that we need to work on this a little bit at a time, and I know every thought, every act, every that is good furthers the sacred cause of liberty. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the sacred cause to which I'm engaged. I will not turn back. I will not turn aside. I will do my very best. Am I perfect? Far from. But I do believe that God's given me a charge to be involved in this fight, and that I will take as seriously as I possibly can. So when I get to the judgment bar of Christ, I can say, you know, Lord, I did my very best. I know my, my failings are great and my you know, triumphs are few, and I get all that, but I also get that I will do my part, and all I ask is that we all do the same. And it's something that's a real battle. But if enough of us decide that in their own hearts and their own minds, doctor, we shall create a contingent of believers who will be prepared to receive their Savior when he comes. I want to be one of them if I'm alive. If not, I want to set the stage for my children or grandchildren to be one of them. And it's that simple for me. 
You know, uh, you, you mentioned something you felt, you know, called to this cause of liberty. And, and you know, I, I know lots of people that have a religious, faith-based kind of uh, lives that they live. Good, good people. I know a lot of pastors that, that feel as though God called them to that assignment to stand in front of people and preach the gospel to them. And some uh, preach a gospel that uh, is a gospel of, well, that doesn't really match too much with a lot of the, the things that we read in the scriptures, but others of them incorporate some really, really good things in it. But, but uh, you know, I think it's something that we need to find what God wants us to do. And and I'm not saying an angel's going to come down and, and uh, you know, instruct you to go this direction, young man, or whatever, but, but within our hearts, we need to listen to what, what we're being directed to do. We need to, you know, check its honorableness and everything else like that and follow devotedly the things that we're called to do, because I think a calling from God is absolutely essential. And you talk about preparing for the Savior's return. A lot of people feel like they're going to be uh, you know, taken up before it happens and everything. I really believe that those of us that are willing to labor in the kingdom and until everything's said and done, until the Savior himself says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I'm, I'm willing to stay as long as, as he'd welcome me in his kingdom. I, I want to participate in this. I want to, you know, help set the path and mark the way. I want to be there for my grandkids and great-grandkids to be able to help them feel that strength of the Spirit. And so that's what I'm going to try and teach to the very end. I agree and could not agree more. Thank you so much, Doctor, for your commentary. Ladies and gentlemen, pick the show notes for the video. If you go to freedomrisingsun.com and go to the second page on the video section, you'll find that video. Tremendous information. Americans, let's take our sacred cause seriously, shall we? I know it's a lot of work. I know it's scary. I know it can be easy to go negative, but don't do it. Hope and faith and charity will prepare us as a people to receive our King, even Jesus Christ, when he returns. God save the Republic of the United States of America.